0: Welcome an all-new edition of the Tailgate Podcast, as always broadcasting from the KCPN studio in the back room of Taps on Main, joined by Ty James, as always, and my, our old Kilbasa, the old Kilbasa, Duncan Kaminsky. <laughs> uh, trying things a little bit different today. We have some uh, new segments that we want to add to the show. Uh, first of all, our shotgun headlines of the day, love shotgun and beers. Here's the top headlines for the week for us. Yeah, that's what you that do at shotgun. Tailgates, right? You Shotgun beers we're not going to be sure Archie shut. agrees Archie yeah. agrees
1: he's one we have a guest us. we have a guest host as well today
0: <laughs> yes archie james as also known as the n- number one pick in the what 20 40, 42? 2040, 42? 42
1: 2042 draft i believe yeah. what do you think about that bud anything captain america here with yeah. us today no <laughs> All right. we've uh, talked about we've talked about him on the yes. show now he is
0: making his live debut yes archie's official tailgate debut someday he will take over this show and, uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully sooner i bequeathed later. it <laughs> <laughs> he might I just have
1: the show know, bequeathed i mean if he just ends up being better than ty one day he might just replace time oh whoa whoa that's,
0: well, whoa, that's whoa. like i said that's probably sooner whoa. rather than later
2: oh, oh. Whoa. damn <laughs> whoa uh just but kidding, he doesn't even <laughs> know words yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> the top big headline of the, uh, the week uh finally coming out of football uh is the julio jones straight that just happened the other day yeah. Um, traded to Tennessee Titans for a second-round pick and then a pick swap, I believe. Yeah, it was, what, a second and then... A fourth for a sixth. I I believe that sounds correct. Uh, So he joins A.J. Brown and uh, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill in that offense, one of the most efficient offenses in the league the last couple years, just got a little bit more dangerous.
1: If they they ever do, like, an American Gladiators, like, trio teams, Uh like, something like that, I like, if if there was an NFL version, like, i think my money would be on the titans yeah between jones brown and, oh and, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And, and Derek henry and i mean as far as athletics ability goes Montana I mean Tannehill's no slouch either he played wide receiver in college Very true yeah i mean Very yeah true. he's not like built and jacked like those other guys but i mean he's an athletic guy hell um, and you throw the coach in there mike brable i mean yeah. just if, if you want to do five i mean
2: and uh, uh Julio, throw down. julio's uh taking number two and not, not going for 11 he's gonna give uh, uh eight. Of, i yeah, thought he eight. would be eight because yeah. that was his
0: college number at uh alabama uh, but yeah, number two, uh, he's AJ Brown actually offered him the number, and he said, "You know what? I that's your number. Uh, I want he wanted like break bread with them, make sure that they're cool." And, uh, I mean, and AJ Brown was gonna do whatever he could to make
1: Julio Jones happy. Like yeah, this absolutely. is the guy who was like the was last there, year was talking about is it. like come to Tennessee,
0: yeah, come to Tennessee. Yeah, they uh, developed a relationship through uh, AJ Brown's admiration for Julio, mm-hmm. uh, modeled his game after him a little bit. And now those two big receivers are going to be on the outside. And uh, good luck putting guys in the box to stop their run game now because you're going to have to have two high safeties all the time Mm -hmm. against that offense. Uh, Yeah, he. I mean, I've seen some people upset that he he said he wanted a strong armed quarterback. That's not Tannehill. Um, You know, I don't know how accurate some of these reports of like, oh, he said this because it wasn't exactly coming from Julio himself. It was mainly like – sources out there saying that that's what they believe that he told people he wanted the strong armed quarterback but i know tennessee was one of the teams that he wanted to go to and, uh, yeah i mean, like, I mean but uh, also let's talk about quarterback efficiency exactly like, yeah Canelo is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league and leads the most efficient offense in the league i think last year
1: it is going to be interesting now that they've lost arthur smith
0: mm-hmm. their offensive
1: coordinator who of all places of course is going to atlanta uh, as the new head coach down there uh it will be interesting to see um, how they how the offense is able to adjust with yes this greater talent, but without the guy who's been really running that show, really making that offense as efficient as it is, and sure. definitely revitalized uh, Ryan right. Tannehill's career after the disaster that was him with Adam Gase. Or, well, really just the disaster that is Adam Gase touching yeah, anything. General. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, it's it's going to be very interesting. I'm. I'll be. I'll be honest. I'm glad that the, the uh, Titans are not on the Chiefs' schedule mm-hmm. this year and.
0: That's a team I wouldn't be shocked to see the Chiefs play in the in the, uh, the postseason at some point. Yeah, you have to fact, like you have to think with everything that's happening in that happening in that division that they have obviously have to be the favorites. Uh, with uncertainty in Houston, I mean, we don't know what what the Sony, Colts yeah. are getting with wins, with wins, yeah, and then the Jaguars are the Jaguars, like they just. Brand new coach, never coached in the pros, and he has a first-year quarterback. I mean, Nicole, when we the Colts took a couple big gambles between sure. both wins, and then they've
1: also gave a pretty decent-sized contract, uh, even though it's just the one-year to Eric Fisher. Yeah. Uh, given that they, yes, they've come out and said that they like Fisher's progress, but again, we've talked about it at length on the show. You're talking about a guy who got who tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship in late January. Yeah. How is he? Is he serious? Are they seriously counting on him to be ready? by the start of the season. So a lot of questions yeah. in that division as a whole. But having said that too, there's also question marks with Julio coming in. I mean, we are talking about a guy who's going to be 32 this season and only played nine games last year. Has mm-hmm. it's something where he's, he's accumulated. He's been nicked up. Yeah. It seems like every week it was like he was on the injury list almost every week, especially yeah. Ty and I both have, I think Ty's had him on fantasy football too mm-hmm. on some teams. And oh, yeah. so it's one of those things you'd see weekly is like questionable. Well, I mean, he's probably going to play It's Julio. Mm. But you do wonder if it's all those injuries having accrued over the years, if that is something that it's going to be a problem for Tennessee potentially. And if last year was the sign of things to come. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a good gamble by Tennessee, but we will see.
2: At the end of the day. Um, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's much of a gamble. Um, I think it's a really, really great play for them. Um, and oh, they, they have first. they have a lot of vacated targets when it comes to Corey Davis and Jonu Smith. And who better to fill that void than not necessarily one of the tight ends that you necessarily don't trust with like Anthony Ferks or Michael Pruitt. Like who better to refill that void and to get, you know, pencil them in for 120, 130, 140, if not even more targets. But in the same fact, like who better to, to fill that, you know, kind of jumbo, that role of big athletic freak in the middle of the field than Julio Jones?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, if
2: – I mean, that offense was already
0: dangerous with Corey Davis as their number two mm-hmm. receiver. Now, either Brown or Jones, depending on – I mean, it's 1A, 1B there, in my opinion. You have the young younger receiver who's got the potential to be one of the top five receivers in the league yeah. very soon. And then you have a guy who – has been a top-five receiver for the better part of the last 10 years. Uh, Like I said, for them, I think it was a no-brainer just because of how dangerous it makes their running game and their passing game. Uh, You cannot double-team either side because you have Derrick Henry as your running back. If you're you're not playing two high safeties, then you're going to get run all over. Or no, you're going mean, to get run all over regardless, yeah. basically. Like, and it was
1: definitely a very smart gamble on yeah. Tennessee's part. But I, I just it's not just the injuries. I mean, you yeah. just with receivers, you never know when that cliff is there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you look at sure. the likes of – maybe it was a little bit premature and maybe he, some other circumstances happened, but you look at a Des Bryant. Yeah. You look at Demarius
0: Thomas. You sure. look at
1: even, like, A.J. Green. I'm not going to say he, he's necessarily fallen off
0: the cliff, but he's no longer the yeah. talent he was. He's fallen – if you – I mean, the, that's a great example because if you look at A.J. Green's career, him and uh, Julio – Like, they were in the same recruiting class, played in the same uh, conference in college, came out in the same draft. They've been compared their whole lives. And, yeah, he fell off a cliff just a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And, like – Julio and him were basically one A one B at the same age for their entire lives. Yeah, and but injuries now don't. AJ's, mean. Or yeah, AJ's nothing. Julio's still up there, but yeah, injuries. He just injuries, can, injuries you never in, again,
1: you just yeah. Sometimes just all of a sudden the speed, that burst just mm. disappears like that. And yeah. So he is going to be thirty-two. So exactly. Yeah, a smart gamble without a doubt, but definitely some. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans who are uh, basically I'll say it this way: a yeah. lot of Chiefs fans who are upset that we didn't get him for from a guy the, who would have been the third option yeah. in the offense, the there's nothing of it, to be upset yeah. about because who knows, again, who knows how long this could last
0: for him. Yeah, and from what I've read, uh, really the Chiefs never even really no. were in it. They never really called about him that it was much. just, they, It was just a pipe dream by yeah. a, you know
1: a certain section and certain groups sure. of Chiefs
0: fans that yeah. thought it was the right thing to do. And, sure, and I, I mean with a talent like him, yeah, it's, it's the right thing to do if the cost is low enough, but the Chiefs are going to be fine it was or, just, without him. They yeah. don't need him. It was just short-sightedness by certain, you know, so-called Chiefs fans. For sure. And uh, now the Titans just have to focus on their defense. That, that's the biggest thing that's holding them back from being true contenders, in my opinion, is uh, their defensive backfield is not strong.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and their defensive pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, their whole defense is not that strong.
0: Yeah. Now the pressure is on uh, for the Packers to uh, do the, the just Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, we're not going to spend much time on that because honestly, there's not a lot out there for that, but a uh, big headline that I just sent to you guys last night mm-hmm. uh, that came out in the college football world, which we haven't heard a whole lot about from in the past few months, is uh, there is a movement gaining, gaining steam uh, for a 12-team playoff, and in the next three weeks they have two meetings scheduled with university officials across the country uh, to basically uh, try to formulate whether the expanding the playoff is worth it and from what uh yahoo sports was reporting basically uh the people that they talked to which was from every conference they've never seen more support in expanding the playoff and i think a lot of that has to do with the covid year that we just dealt with mm-hmm. regaining money I mean, uh many, for these universities
1: i mean how many times did we sit there and preach it on mm-hmm. on episodes during this past fall of the tailgate we be like yep. huh what could have alleviated this problem <laughs> like oh my gosh i yeah. can't i don't know how many times we did yeah. that
0: and I think a lot of it all is also just like the co- constant of the SEC now getting two teams in mm. and multiple conferences getting left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 12-team playoff, basically the, the one uh, official that was quoted and that they didn't name them said that the reason that that 12 is gaining uh, more steam than eight is the, it's to develop the road to least resistance to a good result. Basically, it was what I took that as is the the team or the playoff or sorry the conferences uh, <clears throat> don't trust that like with eight that someone's going to get left out or that the SEC or some of these or other conferences could get three in almost mm-hmm. every year right. and then you're having like the other conference only getting one versus a conference that's getting three opportunities to win a championship for their for their conference and. Man, looking at – I know you have the graphic right right in front of you. uh,
1: I pulled out the graphic that you sent to us last night. Yeah,
0: Uh, there's a graphic put out there of what every playoff would look like since its inception. Since uh, 2014. Right, uh, which was the year, yeah, Ohio State beat Oregon in the championship. And this past year, yeah, you'd have the four that obviously made the playoff. Then the next ones would have been A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Georgia, Iowa, Iowa State, State yeah. Indiana, Indiana, and Oregon would have all made the playoffs with uh, Coastal Carolina and UNC being right outside. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there's—I was looking at, it, I was like, man, there have been some fun matchups in the in those years. Like, just, I, I mean, look at
1: look at the next year, 15, when Iowa your your yeah. Hawkeyes were right on the verge, yep. just because of that close loss in the Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. You look at um, like the in the inception, Michigan had that Ohio close, State had that yeah. loss
0: to. Uh, Michigan State that the blocked punt, the punt yeah. that, that mm-hmm. screwed, basically screwed them out of the playoff. They would well, have been in one.
1: And Ohio State winning the first na- the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, college football playoff. There was the huge controversy of whether or not they should have been there in the first place. Yeah, the two big due to the teams. fact that it, Baylor, I think it was Baylor was three and and TCU was like five and Ohio State was six in the voting before or something like that. And, and then they all went of a on sudden, a run. And all of a sudden, after the conference championships, then they bumped up Ohio State to four. Baylor down to five and left TCU at
0: six that was a case of uh Bob Bowlesby screwing over the conference by not naming a champion because you guys didn't have a conference title at that point and that pushed you guys towards having a conference title even even though Baylor and TCU had both kicked the crap out of their final
1: opponents that weekend but yeah it was not having the conference title and so you wonder then Mm -hmm. if a pissed off like like Baylor and TCU both had legitimate claims of why they should have been in the in the college football playoff so, that year, TCU and you wonder now if it would have been case an 8. actual tournament. I know, case I believe me, yeah. I saw that, and I was like, "That was our Jake Waters year. That was Jake Waters, Tyler Lockett. We had a really mm-hmm. good team that year." Uh, and so that's yeah, it's so many what ifs that
0: mm-hmm. it would be awesome to finally get to see these
1: what ifs yep. to play out. Absolutely,
0: uh, that's something that definitely I'm going to be monitoring over the because they said it's over the next three weeks that these meetings happen, and with the how much it's gaining gaining steam
2: yeah the, the, the how quickly it's moving is insane yeah.
0: i mean i didn't even hear about it until i was i was randomly scrolling through twitter last night and people were talking about like man like looking at what the 12 team playoff would have been over i was like what are you talking about so yeah. i looked up 12 team playoff and there's this article from yahoo that i hadn't even seen and yeah it seems like it could become a real reality here that uh we should be dealing with a 12 team playoff which would be so fun. I would imagine it's gonna be like a couple year transition just like the BTS yeah. to, to yeah. the playoff because of TV deals and all that
1: well and I, I've been a proponent of of an 18 playoff for a long time and yeah. I Same. said I was like if you're like if you're nine or outside like if you're with the four te- with the current setup with the four teams five yeah. and six even seven usually has a legitimate claim of like yeah. hey like if a, if like one or two things go differently, we'd be there. Right. Mm. And whereas if it was eight teams, I'm like nine, ten really rarely have have would have the uh, the say like we deserve to play for a national championship. Absolutely. And I love this with twelve because then you almost would get maybe kind of something that co- happens in college football or mm. I'm sorry college basketball, where a team gets hot at the right time. Yep. And just takes uh, we see it in the NFL
0: playoffs. You're gonna see Look matchups at the end of the, 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 the year with teams that are in the team well, in, the, in the higher teams obviously. Mm. Uh, that th- some of those matchups are going to mean more mm-hmm. right off the bat. So you are going to like. I think it creates a better game in general. because we've, I think we've also talked about on a podcast. Mm. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit brought up that the current model is creating the biggest div- division in talent or uh, drop off in talent that we've ever seen yeah. because the top recruits are like, well, if I am not at one of these four, yeah, five I schools, I am not going to Clemson. I am not going to Bama, Oklahoma, and I'd say LSU. LSU, I mean, Florida's been up there, Georgia's been up there. But there's only like four that have consistently made almost every playoff, or say three, I guess. Um, And it's causing, yeah, the top recruits, they're like, well, I don't really have a chance to compete unless I want to go to one of these schools. With 12 teams being in it, I do think it helps college football recruiting. Maybe some kids stay home that would have jumped to go into Alabama, across country Mm. instead just because – yeah like this, this a good school team. is have, consistently yeah. in the top 12 we're gonna have a chance and
1: i have hated this argument that people have said where it doesn't it means the regular season doesn't matter as much because i'm like no. i'm on the flip side of that because if 12 teams have an opportunity to go mm-hmm. play for a national championship that that's that's well tw- that's 12 different opportunities there's 12 slots yeah that makes the regular season matter more in yep. fact because that's right. more teams are fighting for one of those opportunities absolutely and so you're gonna go down if you're hey if you're like 14 15 Again, like I said earlier, a couple of gear breaks go wrong and you're right outside. In this yep. case, a couple of breaks go right. You all of a sudden jump into 12. There mm-hmm. you go, man. Yep. Right. Like I said, we'll,
0: we'll monitor that and uh, give any updates when we see them. But, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, with that, taking a break from our uh, headlines. Our uh, shotgun headlines. Shotgun headlines uh, to, Ooh. well, you know, today we're drinking uh, City Barrels Day Drinker. It's a collaboration with Taps on Main uh mimosa ipa well
2: it's not it's not necessarily a collaboration they brewed it for us for you um, specifically, they brewed it beforehand and it went in gangbusters and it was only supposed to be temporarily um it was only supposed to be temporary or whatever but then basically what ended up is we talked to the uh one of the one of the owners and uh a good friend of the show who you guys met grant um one of our favorite yeah
0: podcasts ever definitely uh, check out yeah the city barrel podcast right. mm-hmm.
2: um and we bought a majority of it from them because we thought it was so amazing and all that mm-hmm. stuff and then we just flat out asked them like hey could, if we wanted this beer they were basically and um you know we asked them that and we came to this deal and all that stuff and so yeah they, they're brewing it especially for us so you get it at the tap room you get it here and that's it that's awesome uh yeah definitely check out city barrel down on
0: 17th and holmes uh fantastic farm to table kitchen and just awesome dudes in general uh, but getting back into headlines, another big thing that's near and dear to my heart happened this – I should it's near and dear uh, – shocked my heart, I should say. Uh, the reshuffle of the Celtics front office. That was uh, – I woke up to a text from Ty saying, Danny Ainge steps down. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, Game changer. Yeah. I was um, I just mean, as floored. And, you know, a lot of it was just not – I guess reading into it, I, I kind of forgot some things that have happened over the last couple of years. Uh, Danny Inge actually had a heart attack about a year and a half ago. Uh, he was it's at the Celtics. one of those Celtics. That I think just kind of slipped through the cracks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just, yeah. Oh my God. Wasn't it, I, I mean, remember it happening. And yeah. It just,
2: not, to, not to like put the, wasn't it just a minor heart attack? It wasn't a, it like was a minor, minor heart attack. Heart attack but but he, heart, he, heart he, attacks he, aren't minor in general, but <laughs> mean, a, a minor heart attack.
0: I mean, he even said, luckily he was at the, yeah. the Celtics facility. He had fantastic doctors on hand that he didn't even have to be like initially transferred to the hospital. But, um, yeah, he said that that was kind of a turning point for him where he realized he needed to work less. He spent the better part of 40 years around professional sports in a player, coach, front office, uh, television role. And uh, after a while, I mean, that stress of the jobs that he's had, it's going to take a toll on you. And I think with everything that happened with COVID, from what I've read, I – I think he was ready to just spend some time with with his family to yeah. realize, like, you know, he can he can still be involved but not be there because uh, his son Austin is still going to work for the organization. And he basically said, he's like, I am going to be around, but I am just not going to be running things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <coughs> the real shocker was of that. Like, I, I wouldn't say that the Danny Ainge retirement was the biggest shocker. The biggest shocker was Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Celtics, only forty four years old, stepped down as coach and is taking over as president of the organization. Yeah. And
2: moving uh, on up.
0: (laughs) Moving Moving on up. up. Uh the Celtics kind of have this uh history of making coaches their presidents. Red Auerbach, Rick Patino, um, Danny Ainge, now Brad Stevens, all at a young age, well before they should have probably stepped away from coaching, stepped away to run one of the most historic franchises and yeah, it caught me by surprise because Brad's considered one of the top three probably basketball minds in the NBA, and uh, in hearing his interviews, he another case of like the last year of COVID just warmed down. Yeah, he he doesn't want to be on the road as much. Uh, I mean, his his family, his kids are getting up to high school age, so I think he wants to be more present for some of their stuff, uh, and he's just a guy who he doesn't necessarily have to coach basketball to have an impact on young men that are playing basketball. And the biggest thing that he's loved to do is develop, them, talent. De- develop talent. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you look at
2: Gordon Hayward when he was at uh, Butler. He, I'd even stretch and not even say the dust talent just for basketball, just on and off the court. Like he does yeah. a great job off the court too. Absolutely. Attitudes and remeshing I mean, and stars. And, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean like, yeah, he's had, Issues with certain players over the years that like they, yeah, they didn't mesh, but like if you look at getting guys to play to their potential or even past their potential in some cases, I don't know of very many coaches, probably just Popovich, that has done a better job of that. Mm-hmm. And, like he, he's gone to conference finals with teams where he's missing his top two players. He's gone with a uh, conference final when his best player is a five foot eight point guard. I mean. Uh, I'm excited for Brad to be running the organization because I would have hated to just lose him in general, and there was rumors of him being – or of college jobs being interested in him this year That was what I was going to bring up. Mm. I
1: was like, how crazy is this? This timeline that's happened is like – at one point it was like, no, he's not going to leave the Celtics job to go to Indiana. And who would have thought that you're going to walk into next season with a different coach running the show in Boston, but it's not because he left
0: to go to Indiana. It's because
1: he's still there, very much so there. Just – Again, like Ty said, moved on up.
0: Yeah, they said the, the timeline of events was basically at, at right after the trade deadline, Danny Ainge approached ownership and said, this is my last season. I'm stepping down after this. I'm, I am I need to spend time with my family. I want to retire. And uh, their first target was actually to go out and get uh, Oklahoma City Sam Presti. Mm. Who, you stay away from him. He's got all the draft picks to play with. Well, Presti is a Boston guy, too. He's, he's from the Northeast. He... I mean, that would be probably his dream job. And they didn't even actually pursue it. Like, they never even made the call because – I think he'll be okay in Oklahoma City. Yeah. No, he's done a fantastic job. (laughs) He he drafted three – Yeah, He loves his draft picks, but, I mean, even his early career, he already drafted three Hall of Fame MVP winning Mm -hmm. players in three consecutive drafts, Mm -hmm. and now he gets to try to do that again. Like, he has a a war chest, a Danny Ainge-esque war chest of draft picks. No offense, Danny Ainge, this is a bigger – more than I go age. back and look like, at how many he had he true, wheeled and true. dealed some he had quite a few picks at one also, time. we've
1: also talked about it's like what like 40 something yeah. first round picks uh, over the next six years 34 or so. six drafts yeah. that's yeah. insane yeah
0: i mean and he has to trade some of those You yeah, can't yeah. You can't make 34 picks in six drafts it's not reasonable <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, speaking
2: of the the people that are on the contrary of of danny Ainge being a good gm shut up <laughs> just I, shut yeah, up
0: there, there was this movement of like Oh, well, long overdue. What? Long overdue. In 2017, Danny Ainge had his second of two of uh, he had two of the biggest highway robberies in NBA yes. history under his belt as a GM, and one was just three years ago, trading the number one pick for the number three yeah. pick, taking Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz, and then like that alone is an insane trade. But then you go back to. It was, that would have been what 2013 when he traded three guys over the age of 35 for basically the Celtics' future and basically Rose spearheaded, man. jumped into a rebuild and right out of it because of it. Because he had another team that he didn't have to focus on rebuilding themselves, they didn't have to tank because another team was doing it for them. I mean, you look at it, it was no brainer you have three guys over 35 some of these picks are going to be in the is it in the lottery
1: was event. it is it Boston fans that were saying it's that he's it's long time coming is that no new? no okay.
0: Boston fans in general like Danny Ainge okay uh, I, just, is, I just i just wonder if it was because just like it's, well he hasn't
1: won a national or he hasn't won a championship since 2008 it's like right, this it is was. Okay, see, I I was wondering if it was the Boston fans just like the The Red Sox won in 13 and 17. The Patriots have won, you know, three times in the last decade, four times in the last decade. Boston. Boston. That's where I was wondering if it was the Boston fans like, what's Danny Ainge doing? Look at at what our other teams are doing, even the Bruins.
0: I mean, there were some people upset with him not uh, making more moves to fortify the bench earlier. But overall, when you look at this past season, the Celtics' biggest issues was health they were like fans. when when they had a semi healthy roster they were they were a team that could play with anyone yeah they had some fantastic wins along the way but i mean you, you have over 160 games i want to say it was actually in the 180 games total uh missed because of covid protocol and injuries yeah that's you can't overcome that yeah bunch and of then, privileged assholes right yeah and, not and, you obviously because you're just a Celtics
1: <laughs> fan which is boston yeah. Uh, just those Boston fans and then, uh, Yeah, but like, like I said, in,
0: in general, most people, even with <laughs> the bitter. criticisms as far as in the fan base, didn't want him to step down. It's the, it's the shills of like, oh, he should have traded this for this, and he hasn't done enough. It's like you look at the moves he didn't make <clears throat> for the Kawhis and the Paul Georges and the, the uh, Jimmy Butlers, everyone he didn't trade for, that the team that they went to, they left shortly afterwards. Jimmy Butler, when he was traded out of Chicago and, and out of Minnesota, uh, he left right after for his own situation. I mean, Kawhi, Kawhi was in Toronto. Yeah, the Celtics maybe won a title that season. But Ka- Toronto won that title and then Kawhi left right away. Yeah. like I I don't want to build something where we're winning one title and then the superstar leaves. I, no, I think the players that we have, have shown enough potential to where you, you keep going with it. And yeah. I think Danny had us still in the right direction. It's just. And I've often. Uh, and if there's anybody who can continue, if not
1: push Brad, it into an even higher trajectory, it's Brad Stevens. Yeah. And
2: I've, uh, I've often talked about obviously like the stages of rebuild and all that stuff. For sure. the fact, like you just like said, where it's like, there's so many teams that get locked in the bottom year of rebuild and never yeah. Of yeah and it yeah. sucks and it, and, it, and, it, and especially like experiencing it firsthand from a fan like it is the worst thing on the face of this planet to always be you know you never go above mediocre you always drop back down you're always in a rebuild uh-huh. and the fact that I he was why. able to just completely jump that yeah. um with those trades yeah, is phenomenal playoffs one year yeah uh
0: got marcus smart and brad stevens came on board uh yeah. actually the year before um
2: it's so easy and to hold on to your on your aging stars that have done everything for you. It's so easy to hold on to them and be like, "This is fine. I'm going to go ahead and keep them." Saw
1: the Chiefs just do it, you know, before Patrick Mahomes too. Yeah, you know, that was that was. We were very much on. Maybe it wasn't the treadmill of mediocrity, but it was
0: the treadmill of, "Oh, you're pretty good, right?" And then, but you're going to lose in the playoffs in right. a year. point like the the organizations that that commonly happens to is the smaller market teams yes. where you get a star in one of your early rebuilding years that is Uh, (laughs) Portland, like as far as NBA goes, like they've had Damian Lillard for all these years. And then they get McCollum, who's an all-star, but not a superstar. Yeah. And they've been right there and they maybe win some series that they shouldn't, but they never really have a chance. They only won one series
1: that they shouldn't. They've only
0: gotten out of the first round once.
1: Right. They sunk Houston once too with him. They took Houston I'm out pretty out. Su- I'm pretty sure this – I saw a stat after
0: they lost that –
2: They took out Denver for the first City time.
0: City was the only time that they've gotten out of the first round. No, I, I know that they – because it was oh, okay. a similar okay. situation okay. to Houston where – Willard hit the shot that won the series oh okay it was okay. when it was it was a long time ago it was like gotcha. Harden's first couple years when they still had Parsons I think Dwight was there also was they uh they then. took out oh, Denver McCollum there. There. maybe it was the Lillard McCollum yeah. this yeah sure they've only got yeah, this out. was with Aldridge okay they
2: yeah. also took out Denver in that one series in the first round because uh they, they that's what all they referenced in this round was uh Portland versus the Nuggets where the Nuggets lost game seven to Portland
0: that one. But yeah. uh yeah, the two that stuck out to me was because of it was so reminiscent of each other was sinking Oklahoma City when it was Westbrook's last game and Paul George's last game in OKC and he waved bye to him. Yep. That's the uh, one that only sticks out for me. Yeah. And then the only reason why I remember <coughs> the Houston one is because I thought that Parsons it was another game seven, I believe. I thought Parsons hit the, the game winner. And then Willard went right down the court and hit the game. That does sound him. familiar. Yeah, it was like. But again, I think that 20, was before 13. McCollum. I think yeah, that was. No, it was definitely. So that would McCollum. have
1: been yeah, because this is definitely like the Aldridge, or I'm sorry, yeah. the the Willard McCollum era, yeah. which I mean real- that's almost another head shotgun headline in itself. Is yeah, Willard kind of hinting that maybe it's he's done in Portland. Well, it,
0: it, or at big, least that something needs to change. It's. I think he's definitely going to be done because he said the one guy that he wanted to coach in uh, Portland take over for Terry Stotts who. Parted ways uh was jason kidd and jason kidd came out publicly and said that he is not interested in the portland job i, I, I thought you uh,
2: also was not like full support but it was like eh, mcmillan wouldn't be that
0: bad i would i i don't think mcmillan's Mac, gonna leave Atlanta. way i think they're gonna hire him as the oh, okay. with them winning a playoff series and i mean the one game the one game one against uh the Sixers, and they took
2: him down to the wire last year yeah like that
0: i think that they'd be stupid not to keep uh, it, but, it, which that brings me to the Boston, like the Boston ca- candidates hmm. kid is very much in the running for the Boston job, which I hate. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Jason Kidd. I'll publicly say that he has been a disaster everywhere. He's been as a head coach. Uh, he couldn't, didn't know how to use Yana Kumpo is one, obviously one of the most talented guys in the league right now. Um, my dream candidate, uh, how I, who I've lowered, or I should say, narrowed it down to, uh, i brought it up to you last night i'm i'm really big on carol Austin yeah she's worked under brad stevens yeah for only a year but her impression on the organization everybody was impressed with the job that she did even in one, for one year in boston she's a great right. basketball mind she Has familiarity with steven's system there's going to be chemistry there uh and that, f- other than her ironically it's becky hammonds as well like i'd be yeah. ecstatic do you think this been, is the
2: barrier that's gonna be broken
0: i think oh. the barrier gets broken this off scene. i do wow. uh i it's mean that's been, a, that's it's a been big big headline close. man yeah i think like becky hammonds has interviewed for jobs the last couple of years uh and i i'd be shocked if if not this season or it'd be next season for her but i wouldn't be shocked at all if boston made the call for carol Lawson uh oh that's yeah that because i'm you know now that i'm out on chauncey i'm out on yeah. kid there's other guys that i'm okay with but. just out on
2: chauncey jeez oh, i'm all the way out on yeah chauncey.
0: we'll get uh, that's something we should have discussed. that's another but, day yeah no. that's another day um but yeah um it's gonna be interesting the coaching shuffle is gonna be interesting mm-hmm. this summer because yeah the who portland hires is huge and who boston hires is huge like there's the Lillard situation in portland like yeah if they don't make the right hire there if he doesn't click with the coach right away he's going to want out of there yep. real quick um but brings us to our final nba ha- headline uh our Nikola final Jokic. shotgun headlines finals <laughs> yeah uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, the joker yeah uh won his historic mvp last night uh mm-hmm. the lowest pick in nba history to win an mvp taken 41st overall I don't know if you guys saw my post last night. Uh, probably the only guy who has won an MVP while his selection came up on screen. There was a Taco Bell commercial. Quesaritos. Yeah, Quesarito commercial going on while he was picked. Uh, but the season that he's had, I mean, he's had a steady rise since taking over as the starting center and shipping out uh, Nurcic. Saw the talent the last few years and put together a fantastic season and if not for an injury to his uh or or his jamal murray Murray, the other soon to be if not already superstar on that team they would probably be the number one seed in the west and probably the favorites to win the title right now they had a 47 and 25 season finished as the third seed they were the first seed i believe when uh murray went down if
2: not they were were two almost
0: positive they were first yeah um,
2: Let the record show that little man just went down.
0: <laughs> Archie's out. <laughs> um, but uh, Jokic finished the season with 26.4 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, shooting 56% from the field. And get out of season. Such, just watching him play, man. Like he's such a different big man than mm-hmm. we used to. <clears throat> uh, runs the floor like, like plays the point as a as a center legitimately. Yeah. Like one of the best ball handling and passing centers I've ever seen which I is love some of the up. I love some of the highlights
1: you watch of him Is like how quickly the ball moves yeah. mm. it's, it's yeah. just absurd it's like it barely touches
2: his guy it's, it's how quickly the ball moves and how like and not saying like, but also how slow he moves yeah. like you know like he has the the pace of play wow. controlled so much right. but like his own physical body it's just kind of like lumber you know like it's just going but yeah. gone like, if you like, don't
0: if you don't love watching Nicole Jokic play you don't love bat- Basketball because I mean it, a game that I would like the most impressive thing about him in my opinion is his passing like he's a fantastic offense player overall but if you wa- go back and watch the Michael Porter jr. game from the last round mm. a lot of the reason why Porter jr. was getting off such the, like hitting such a lot of these shots was the incredible passing Jokic leading guys like he there was a play that stuck out to me and uh, you can find it on my Twitter I blew my mind where he Led the offense where everybody on the offense thought that he was going to pass to a cutting uh, Aaron Gordon. And instead, he had this fantastic bounce pass to uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. in the corner and hit a big three at that point. And, I mean, Porter Jr. went off in that game in the first half. But just loved watching him play. And I said to you guys, he's probably one of the the funniest, most memeable Oh yeah, the
2: pictures that have been going back and forth <laughs> between all of us ever. are fantastic.
0: He's fantastic. He's a he's a funny, just a funny guy. Yeah, he's like easy to root for, and
2: he's so likable. And like the 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 other thing that I love the most about him is he's not one of those players that's like in the off season, like just kind of like sticking around and constantly like he leaves. He goes back home to Serbia and he races horses like he actually wanted to race horses and his dad was like and he actually quit basketball at one point in time to race horses and his dad was like no son you're gonna play basketball and he obviously still loved the game but like it just from that point on and then it's like he yeah with
0: all of us being kind of like pudgy guys it's hard not to for. yeah Yeah. we i mean look at the older pictures of him from like about 10 years ago yeah there's just this fat kid that like was good at basketball. Was good at basketball, and that he happened to have a great growth spurt, and now he's one of the best players in the world. And that's it's a it's a fun story to root We're for. We're in and, shape, rounded shape. And <laughs> he is the culmination. He, I mean, Giannis, I would say, was the culmination of basketball without borders. But Giannis is right, or Giannis, uh, Nikola Jokic is definitely right there with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something the NBA got right from the start. Basketball without borders program has been huge. I mean, we just had two years ago where every single award was won by a foreign player. Coach. Wow. Yeah. That's like, there's a lot of talent out there. And I mean, baseball has always been about bringing in foreign talent, but right. basketball being at the forefront of, or get really getting with that, like finding all these European and mm-hmm. like players everywhere uh, has been great to see because there's great basketball being played all over the world. Right. And, now all these great talent players here is it's fantastic.
2: It's great for the sport. Um,
0: but with that, I think it's yeah, Ty. Another um, new segment for us. Uh, one we've talked on about doing for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that's really just either bugging us or we're really passionate about. Ty, Ty's got it this week. I got a little bit of a rant. Yeah,
2: yeah. got a little bit throwing of a rant. Grill, this is our
0: throwing on the grill. Yeah, yeah. Ty,
2: what do you? I got a little bit of a rant. Um. So, watching hockey, love hockey, playoff hockey, always recommend it. Um, watching the Winnipeg Jets versus the Montreal Canadiens. Um, literally, it was the game. I think it was the last time that we recorded episode. It was that mm-hmm. night that it happened. Yeah, I was, was so I, I was so irate in text messages that I that I sent it to Duncan and uh, Aaron. Um, and the hit was brutal. I mean, um, and it was
1: literally at the end of game one. And it, by at the end of game, empty one, netter. Like, end yeah. of
2: game one. Fifty six seconds left on the clock. Mark uh, Cefali uh, comes in to take the zone and obliterates Jake Evans um, now there is a lot going around about this in the hockey world where there is the was it a bad call was it this was it that because it was a good hit he didn't leave his feet and all that stuff like no this is a charge um, He, he, tucked, he, tucked his he right at the end man. at the end of the day um, he started skating with Carey Price in the shot Carey Price is the Montreal's goal, goalie so he started skating at the opposite end of the ice just outside the crease. Now, granted, at that point in time, he hadn't made up in his mind that he was going to lay this kid out. But you see as the play progresses, and if you go frame by frame, you see him get full stride, start to come up like he's going to stop, and then it decides. he decides at that point in time, I'm going to lay this kid out, and I am going to hit him. And instead of being like... And the game's basically over at that point in time, and I understand that there is the whole... There's the argument of whether or not he was trying to protect the goal or you know and all that stuff at that point in time if he was trying to protect the goal he needed to he needed to extend his stick out and not and try to knock jake evans stick away and so the puck just went wild and said that instead he decided that i'm not going to do that i'm going to play the body and he tucked down he he tucked down he lowered his he lowered his center of gravity he uh, squatted his hips and he threw his shoulder into him. And yes, technically he did make contact with the uh, the uh, the Jake Evans coming around the corner as he was putting the puck in a wraparound shot on the net. The thing that I don't agree with on Jake Evans is you were playing a sport like this. Keep your fucking head up. You always got to keep your head up, and especially in football, keep your head on a swivel. You never know what's going on. But the game was was complete. Was already basically over. It was an empty netter. If he was trying to stop the goal, he should have played the puck. He played the body. It's just
0: dangerous. Man. Yeah, And
2: he and he exploded through the player. And at the end of the time, you can see the decision in his head. Yeah, did he think he was going to hurt him? No. Because Mark uh, Schiavelli hasn't had a uh, charging minor in like 6,000 minutes or something like that. It's been an insane amount. And this is literally one of his first very brutal penalties. But in the same fact, he lowered his shoulder. He drove through. He was trying to send a message. And he sent a message. And he uh, targeted a player. In in it was a predatory hit that ended up in the kid getting escorted off the ice on a stretcher, and he's recovering from concussion symptoms. This is his fourth or fifth concussion. It's his second one in this year. The kid's career is not necessarily done by any means at this point in time, but there is still that asterisk next to it of he could have an early career because of this. Um, I hate hits like these, and I hate that there's – it's it's not split because there's a lot of enforcers in hockey. You know, A, Sean Avery just – fuck off um excited <laughs> that it's a clean hit um all that stuff it's not um you shouldn't be targeting a player like this and yes there is that hitting thing and yes i get that it's playoff hockey and you need something to play for but in the same fact the game's kind of over and if you're gonna try to stop the goal try to stop the goal right. go for the puck don't level some kid like this yeah. just because you want to like it's say, unacceptable
0: it's just dangerous like, right with how head injuries in a lot of the contact sports have come to the forefront over the last ten years. I mean, you guys know I'm not not huge into hockey at all. You showed me that highlight. I'm like, Ugh, like that. Like, that's the type of hit that if you, you hit it, hit the guy the wrong, like the wrong angle, he maybe comes down wrong, can end a career, right? Like it. He a, almost he almost flipped. Ball hit that. Yeah,
2: he almost yeah. flipped. He almost ended on a thing. And part of the other reason why I was saying that is well because like as a as a what Red Wings fan in our history there is those moments where someone takes a bad hit. Claulemon took a bad hit on Steve Eisman and, and injured him and that started the blood game. And so this definitely is going to start a rivalry. And or I think it should start a rivalry. And I'm sorry. Has. At the start of next season when Winnipeg plays um plays Montreal, you I I'm hoping that they send out their three enforcers and they drop the gloves and they and they just beat the shit out of this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he deserves it. What
0: the thing that you told me that kind of pisses me off is the amount of people that have come out in support of it.
2: Yeah. No, they, and I, and I, was, they said no it was supporting that. Yeah, they yeah. said it was a clean hit because technically he made contact with the shoulder, yeah. and the head whipping action he, was what hit his thing. But in the same fact, he lowered his body and exploded through player and him, yeah. then lifted his skates at the end. And, and this
1: wasn't a moment where he did this hit in which he was he was trying to take possession of the puck. Right. This was after the kid had just put in an empty net goal. Like and I understand maybe that was something where it's just kind of the oh well screw you you didn't need to score that goal because it was he'd wrapped around the back of the net and put it in and maybe it was you know sour grapes at that point well it absolutely was sour grapes it 100% this was, was nothing this there's no way that anybody can defend that as saying that wasn't a dirty right. hit because of the context of the play and I think for you saying that starting a feud or it's gonna piss them off it already pissed them off right as you look at and this is they something swept the series about. after that they yeah like this was this was a Canadian's team that. Had been down three to one against Toronto, and you're talking. You well, know, that's that's such an iconic rivalry, completely one sided because Montreal's the greatest. Well, they're the greatest franchise in North American sports history. I mean, no offense to the Celtics, Lakers. They have the most. anybody chances. else? They have 23 Stanley Cups. That's more than anybody else. Like, and that's an absurd amount of dominance.
0: The Lakers have like, or not the Lakers, The Yankees have like 29.
1: Ah, oh, shit! The Yankees. Well, they have 27. Fuck 27, the Yankees. Yeah. Anywho. Um, they're the
2: they're the dominant one in hockey. I mean, granted, it's not well, recent. Well, it's, it's not recent. No, no, no. That's Stanley yeah.
1: Cups because they, that's they've won more. They've won more titles oh, okay. as well. So, but anyway, it is the I think it is the Yankees and then the Canadians. But still, that's regardless okay. uh, in hockey at least they are. Uh, and so I told them I was like they came back. Or I told Ty I was like they came back from a three to one deficit, and it was in large part because of the phenomenal play by Carey Price, who hmm. is the best. He's slipped a little bit in the last few years as he's turned thirty. But this was a guy, first round pick goalie, like he's one of the best goalies of all time, and he's been the best, at times the best goalie in the game, and he's shown it. And in game seven against Toronto, thirty one shots on goal, he only allowed the one goal and they won. Like he's a phenomenal game seven goalie. Mm-hmm. But then you look at that, and I said, maybe this was them. Toronto awoke awoke up a sleeping giant. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and then Winnipeg pissed him off with that hit, and they went through and swept Winnipeg. And it's not like Winnipeg was just some shit team. Winnipeg had just gone by and swept Edmonton, yeah. who we've talked about going into the playoffs was a favorite because of the likes of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl.
2: Yeah,
1: And they absolutely just took it to Winnipeg and handled business, and now they're waiting for whoever wins the uh, the Tampa-Carolina series. And it was just – I think it was – Toronto woke up the sleeping giant, and now Winnipeg has pissed them off. And that's something whoever – Toronto or Carolina, whoever plays them in the Eastern Conference Finals, got to watch out because – Man, that's something a dirty hit can absolutely galvanize a team.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh I just i i my blood boils when it comes to that because yeah. I'm I'm all for enforcer hockey. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm wearing a Nicholas Lidstrom jersey, which is not by any means an enforcer. He's and just you, a really savvy defender. And we've seen but you, if you wear the we've that, seen you wear yeah. the Doug Glatt jersey goon yeah. from yeah. the movie Goon literally. Yeah. And if. If you're gonna make that play, and you're, and especially because obviously he's gonna come out and in that ending sports conference or in the press conference, he's gonna say, "I was just trying to make a play. I was trying to defend the goal." No, you weren't. But if you were trying to defend the goal, you would have gone for the puck. You played the fucking body. Tell him what you did. You played the body. Right. And Four games. I don't that think is enough. That
0: it doesn't matter. It's at the end of a game that, mm-hmm. like, it was. It didn't. It wouldn't have changed
2: the outcome. Yeah, and the playoff hockey argument for me is it's not irrelevant because I get I yeah. get that playoff hockey sometimes is a little more chippy, but right. it also should be because at the end of the day. It could have been a career ending hit and it could have been a sure. lot worse than what it was. Honestly, he yeah. could have gone to the hospital. Absolutely. He could he like the yeah. fact that he was fine, he just has a concussion, that's, just a concussion. That's great. That's, yeah. that's the fantastic. That's the great
0: part of that story is the yeah. fact that he didn't have anything negative like going to the hospital and career ending, or even just injured going into the offseason mm-hmm. or wherever his he's at there. Like that's a positive of that but like that still doesn't justify no the ends don't justify the
1: means and we've seen two players get stretchered off that were off the ice in this postseason and that's something you don't you don't see a whole lot of anymore and it's just disturbing because again it's uh just it's unnecessary hits in particular this one there was again there was no need to do that it was just that that's not even sour grapes isn't even a fair enough term for that that was just that was
0: just absolutely being completely cowardly yeah uh how you give a rundown of where we're at in the series that are going on right now.
2: Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, um, so, uh, yeah, um, so um, Vegas and Avs is taking a fun little turn. Uh, Avs went up 2-0 yesterday. Um, like I said, this has been the series that I say everyone should watch, and th- it did not disappoint us today. Abs went up 2-0, two- and then uh, three straight goals by Vegas to, f- to basically take the game six, and Vegas now leads 3-2. Um and this is after this very very first game was um very first game was an eight to one blowout from the abs like this is some good playoff hockey that you have going into um the ne- the next round so we'll see how that one goes um obviously Canadians swept um the uh Lightning Um uh, man I can't remember I think the Lightning I can't remember the Lightning one yesterday I want last say they, night I want to say they did I Lightning was, I think it's Lightning three did. to three now. Oh right, they yeah, yeah. Yeah, was, they, they, was, yeah, yeah, they closed it out. Ones, yeah. They closed it out, Yeah, right? was, yeah so it was Tampa insane. Bay is going yeah. on to, Yeah, we were watching. Yeah. I was so I was, was trying Tampa to be on to play uh, I bartended last night. I didn't get to catch up on my hockey. Yeah. So and I got home last night and I've been like suffering with this like uh, allergy nonsense, so I went right, right to bed. But uh yeah, from there, I mean we got Boston and Islanders. Uh, Islanders are up three two, so we'll see how that all goes. Um rooting for the Islanders, baby. Um I just think they started playing good hockey um i might i was probably about a year off because i looked i told him i'd said that i looked for them to upset last year but it looks like they decided oh, like, to just go ahead and kick it right. up kick it this year um but yeah boudreaux you know kill it man yeah
0: uh yeah go back and give an update on what, we kind of forgot that we were going to cover a little bit of the nba playoffs after we talked about Jokic. yeah going to give an update on those series uh uh milwaukee went up 2-0 and looks dominant against milwaukee um the Clippers are down uh, 1-0, right? Clippers are down 1-0. 1-0. Yeah. yeah, 1-0. Um, good game. Yeah. Real good game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the uh, 76ers are 1-1 with Atlanta in the last series. Denver, Denver and Phoenix. Denver is uh, down 0-1 yeah. to Phoenix. Uh, great of Phoenix upsetting the defending champs in the first round. Yep. Uh, and just want to give a rundown. Something I sent you guys a few days ago: the final eight teams from the bubble last year. Uh, Toronto that. missed the play in missed the playoffs in general. Uh, Milwaukee moved on to the second round, but not looking great. Um, oh. Miami swept in the first round. Boston lost in the first round uh, in five games. Denver is in the second round, but down 0-1. Uh, Clippers on the second round, but uh down 01. uh houston missed the playoffs lakers lost in the first round mm-hmm. uh, i saw on the i think on the ease on the east there i mean there hasn't the team who's most recently won, won a championship it was like 1983 and in the west i don't believe any of those teams have ever won a championship the clippers have not the, see, the Suns knees, have the, not.
1: The Jazz happened. The Nuggets have, happened. No, yeah, all four teams. The Suns happened. The
0: Clippers happened. Yeah. Wow. All, all right, four guys. teams have not won a champion. The most recent champion in the playoffs is 1983, I believe. All right, guys. That's so a, who, who are we rooting, rooting for? Yeah. Yes.
2: Who are we rooting for? Not who uh, do we think we're in. Who, re, who are we rooting for?
0: Rooting for. I'm, I mean, Gosh, I like Denver a lot. I like Phoenix. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm kind of in the Suns' boat right now. I like the Suns. Sure. I like Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, I think he deserves it he's i mean that's the one thing that i think will finally get the people who haven't been on board with him being like the best point guard of this generation like kind of get him there mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I but yeah. yeah i think it's the sons are the are nuggets
2: yeah. and uh, i mean another I mean, thing to just kind of talk about was uh Rudy Gobert, gonna Rudy Gobert at the end of the, ga- the game last night.
0: Yeah, he got cooked a lot in that game. Though. He
2: did, he did. Like, but... Yeah,
0: the, he made up for it with the final play there. But that game to me, definitively, because there, if you go, if you follow NBA Twitter a little bit, with, especially among Jazz fans, there's been this debate of like who is the star of the team between Mitchell and Gobert. I'm sorry, it's, it's Mitchell. Mitchell yeah. had 45 points last night. Yeah, Gobert had the defensive play that saved the game. But man, there was point there was point in that game where he got cooked by the ghost of DeMarcus Cousins. and
1: The ghost of DeMarcus Cousins. I mean,
0: yeah. the guy played like six minutes, and all he did was cook Gobert in that six yeah. minutes. I mean, Ty Lue needs – obviously, if he's showing that, I think it's a mistake on Ty Lue's part. Clearly, him and Luke Kennard can have an impact on this series, and I don't think he's going to play him enough minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's on Ty Lue. He needs to make those adjustments. But – I've never been huge on Gobert. I don't think he should have won as many defensive player of the years as he should. I don't think it should be a big man award. I think it's a wing league and wings should be winning the defensive player of the year cuz it's the hardest place to defend in the league right now. Not that I not that Gobert is not a good player. He made a fantastic play, but I was going to say
1: the only there's no rare player.
0: exceptions like the Ben yeah. Wallaces yeah.
1: who clearly like yes. keyed a defense like that's yeah. Kevin that's Garnett. Fair, Kevin Garnett
0: defensive player of the year absolutely. But
1: but when you think of, like, when Ron Artest yeah. won, that was – those are the kind of guys that – Yes, I think it should have been the Kawhis
0: of the world. The Jordans. Yeah. I mean, that's like, where Jordan got his. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, a fantastic game last night. Yeah. yeah, they got the ball back and had a chance for the game-winning play. And, like I said, Mook Morris is going to take over a game when Mook Morris thinks it's his time. And, I mean, that was a situation where he shouldn't have been taking that shot. Yeah. That's not the guy I want to take in the shot right there. It's the Morris twins, so I'm, not just, yep. I'm just not going to say anything. Yep uh but the dominance of the nets has been kind of jarring to watch yeah the last, weren't like, they up by almost game.
2: weren't they up by 49 in the last game at one point they
0: they won by 39 but yeah, yeah. i'm sure they i,
2: I think they were they, almost up by 50
0: yeah but a healthy 50. lakers team would totally be taking this nets team absolutely for no sure for sure i well and that's what something that's kind of got ignored the nets stars hadn't really played a whole lot together so mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't get to see how dominant they could be and they were still Finished yeah. as the number two seed, yeah, two seed in the East. Yep. Like, Harden hardly played down the stretch of the regular season. Yeah, he's not playing right now, but, like, and they that put team's But done. But, I mean, Bucks. but still, no, but it was the Lakers, man. You forget LeBron
1: the Lakers, was the MVP through yeah. March. Like, I mean, that's – the Lakers would have,
0: like – Find me a, someone other than Nick Wright that was saying that and probably a couple other blowhards that was saying that LeBron was a legitimate – Top two MVP candidate, and you're insane. Joe West? He didn't even finish. He didn't finish in the top four even no. at the end of this, this season. I think it went Jokic, Curry, Paul, and Embiid as far as top four vote getters. Okay. So, yeah, but definitely a legit MVP candidate. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as the rest of the way, I think I think I'm going south. Suns. I, I love that sun's team
1: speaking of and that's or where Atlanta, Atlanta, speaking, speaking of Atlanta's like team. the i they, they weren't on the treadmill of mediocrity but this is something that can show certain players can pull a team off the treadmill of mediocrity and phoenix have been down but chris paul just how much where he's he elevated that sun's team it's I, insane i
0: said that to someone the other day because he there's been rumors he's going to opt out and seek a three-year deal and whether it's with phoenix or not I, th- I think he just wants the best deal available uh i told one of my friends who's also a celtics fan i was like I- if we're in the market of trying to trade Kemba, we're gonna need a we need a star point guard, and everywhere he goes, he improves young teams.
1: And he plays a style that that ages well, mm-hmm. like because yeah. it's not like he's going out there the speed guy that he no. used to be. Like he a legitimate plays MVP very methodical. Scoring
0: Eighteen points a game. Mm-hmm. Like your, his impact was undeniable on that mm-hmm. team.
1: And he's yeah, I mean, it's funny when I saw something who's who's the greater point guard or who has a better impact or something like that, Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook. It's like. It's night and day. Like again, it's like what Westbrook has done is impressive, but it's very much a single-handedly just solo stat where that doesn't have an impact on the team because we've seen how many wins and losses he's gotten playing that style.
0: Yeah, and I brought it up a couple of weeks ago. If based on perception by the average fan, who, who do you think is a better point guard between Chris Paul and Damian Lillard? Most would probably say, oh, uh, Damian Lillard because of the big shots that he hits and everything like that. I'm, Every single year that they've been in the league together, Chris Paul's team has finished with yep. a better record than than Damian Lillard's. And Chris Paul has been on f- five different
1: teams now. Yeah, Dame time ends before uh, Chris Paul time yeah. ends. So. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Uh, you can CP, let before, Russ cook. You can Is let Russ CP cook. Three? <laughs> and you can let <laughs> Russ cook, but the team's not going to cook. Jesus. So CP third round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, do yeah, we? Our it, team. We kind of covered all the. So uh, do we want to mention Kawhi uh, just putting up a ridiculous uh, yeah. game
1: too? That ha- that has to be said. One of
0: one of the clutch players
1: of the last. He just continues to add playoffs. on to this legacy of being yeah. one of the becoming one of the greatest playoff oh, basketball yeah. players in that the history of the 42, game. Forty-six. And what yeah. was it? He was like the fourth guy to in NBA history to have forty plus poor, <laughs> five, Was forty-five plus points while shooting seventy percent in the field uh, in, the field in el- a game seven or an elimination game? Yeah.
0: Yeah
2: uh wasn't there also like a thing like 600 points or something like that just a what wasn't there also like a caveat to that there was like he was one stat that he was with Shaq on there where it was like 600 points in one series or something like that or yeah. I, 600 I, I 600 points in a series yeah to score like 100 points a game. no I was, it, it can't remember it was 600, points, 600 in points in a, in a single, a single, single playoff, playoff or something, or something. I, don't, I don't I can't remember what it was I,
0: I don't know yeah. I don't know that stat off um yeah. but yeah it was like it was definitely 40 points and and seventy percent from the field, and every other. It was player like that had Wilt. I think it was like, like Wilt
1: Chamberlain. Right? Yep. Was
0: it was maybe Jordan? I think Jordan was on there. And yeah. I think Jamal.
1: No, it was. It wasn't Jordan. I'm sorry. It was actually. I think it was LeBron.
0: That's probably true. Uh, and yep. then I don't uh, And then
1: uh, Jamal Murray last year.
0: Yep. Uh, but yeah, quiet
1: um, Jamal Murray, very young in his career, but Kawhi is definitely. That's just further emboldening what is a well, Hall of Fame and career.
0: And I mean, these last two playoffs, in my opinion, have shown how good of hands the league's going to be in. So, like, being in company of, like, yeah, Jamal Murray on a stat like that, that's not – that doesn't take away from the stat because I think Jamal Murray's going to be one of the premier guards in this league for the next 10 years. Um, and I think with LeBron losing the first round, we are definitely seeing that changing of the guard of this league. Mm. Uh, we're going to see these superstar young under-25 guys take over the next few years. I don't think it's guaranteed that we see LeBron in another championship. I don't think it is. There's a lot of talent out there, and his number two right now can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah, a lot of that is on Dave, or uh, Anthony Davis not being being healthy down the stretch. I, I still don't think they're a finals team, even with I mean
1: I talked about it on Top Ten last week. You saw the body language of LeBron. Yeah, he gave up down. He gave up early in that game, and then it was even more so when they would come back within ten points. Yeah, and instead he spent more time pissing and moaning at the referee for, a, and he should have been called a foul. Sure, but. Instead of getting back on defense, get that's back on,
0: yeah, that's not what championship players do. No, exactly. Um, it's Just kind of refreshing. not to have to deal with the LeBron narratives anymore in this playoff and these playoffs. And I'm really, really looking forward to how the rest of it goes because we are going to see a genuine new champion. It's fresh for the first blood. Time in about forty years. It's fresh blood. Like, well, not the first time. I mean, yeah, the no, Raptors. I, a I mean, years. no, ago. no. I, I'm sorry. I, a brand new champion that hasn't won in at least forty years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time in forty years. Yeah, the Raptors just won. Two years ago. But, yeah, we'll monitor. We'll give you updates on that. Uh, hopefully some more fun series to go. Uh, and, and, honestly, hopefully Milwaukee turns around and gives, gives the Nets a series. But we'll see on that. Final new segment that we are and going to end every show with.
1: We're really leaning into the fact that we are the tailgate podcast. You know, yes. we kick off with our, with our shotgun headlines. We've got the throw it on the grill segment when you're pissed I'm off sure and you want to grill something. something and well, Ty's already finished his beer so he can. This is yeah, we're finishing up. It's a toast. And this is something where we're going to pick out, you know, an athlete or somebody else or I was like is he really oh, he's getting some Jameson. He is going off camera and getting pouring himself some Jameson. God bless this man. <laughs> uh, but nice we're calling shot, Don. it Don't worry. we're calling it a toast to and this is something where we pick we pick like a special athlete who's doing something. And I got the honor of picking this one and we're doing a toast to Jacob DeGraw. Because what DeGrom is doing, the New York Mets ace, is beyond historic. It is insane what he is doing right now. So he is nine starts into his season, and he has the lowest ERA at 0.62, zero, .62, the lowest ERA through nine starts in Major League Baseball history, history. The lowest ERA in a season, you have two, you have two sub two, I'm sorry, two sub one ERAs in the history of the game. And they both happened over 100 years ago. Uh, In the live ball era, pretty much considered the 60s on. The lowest ERA in a single season is Bob Gibson in 1968 when he had a 1.12 ERA. If you want to get more modern, uh, you had Greg Maddox in back-to-back seasons in 94, 95, had 1.56 and 1.63. And you've even had Jacob DeGrom three years ago in 2018 had a 1.7 ERA. But what he is doing right now, and that's .62 ERA, is absolutely absurd. He has given up four earned runs so far this season. Four earned runs. He's driven in four runs at the plate for the Mets. He's awash at how many earned runs he's given up and how many runs he's driven in. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely absurd. And, yes, it's only nine starts in. And But, again, given that it's the lowest ERA through nine starts ever, it's very possible that he continues on this track. Again, he already has a sub two ERA season on his career, and it's not like he's doing this just nothing. I mean, we're seeing a historic amount of strikeouts. I've talked about that before. And
2: currently, there's that spider tack issue that's ta- that's going through all the pitchers right now. That oh, Garrett Cole and all the like minor leaders. He's doing this, and guess who's not named in that in that controversy? Degrom.
1: I mean, his teammates are defending him, but that's because they're basically they're like people are just pointing fingers at any pitcher having success right now. Right. But yeah, there's outside of that. There's nothing with DeGrom in that DeGrom is just he's already won two Cy Young's. He's been a historically great pitcher. You're talking. He had the one seven ERA in 2018 with 269 strikeouts. He had a a two four three ERA in 2019 with 255 strikeouts. Both those seasons, only forty six and forty four walks. He only has eight walks this year, Ugh. as well through nine starts and ninety three strikeouts. Like he's he's putting up absolutely insane numbers. He's on trajectory to finish with over three hundred strikeouts. And again, if he can, I mean, a point six two. Like we are potentially looking at the greatest pitching season that has ever been accomplished. And like the wins aren't necessarily always there in his Cy Young years. He won like uh, he went like ten and nine and eleven and eight. But what Jacob Degrom is doing is absolutely historical and it definitely that's it it needs to be mentioned and that's why he deserves a toast absolutely so, so toast, a toast to jacob, to jacob de grom my water Dude. but <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. that's actually all we have for this week um fun little show i'm looking forward to these new segments yes um,
2: I, I do want to jump into us. the Garrett Cole thing next week, more the Spire Attack thing. I want oh, to see I what about I want, it this week. Yeah, yeah I no, want no, we'll I definitely. want to see what unfolds with that. So look forward yeah. to some more baseball his, stuff next week for sure.
0: His uh, just when he was asked about, it today, I don't really know how to. I mean, and umpires
1: are already looking into it. Joe yeah. West, I was at I, I, I was at a Royals game just a week and a half ago, and you could see Joe West sitting there looking in the pitcher's hat and everything like that against the Pirates. So
2: MLB is all over it. Yeah. Speaking of blowhards, Joe West. Yeah. Uh, yeah Don't Dick. get me into umpiring. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, he can go off. Um, <laughs> Last night. Last night. Check, check social media if you want to see Duncan go off on an umpiring. Uh, but, anyways, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have more next week. Thanks, guys.